This is Off Air, the juicy designer podcast for creatives. I'm Abby from Abby Design. And I'm Katie from Wildflower Design Co. And we're here to share the secrets behind what it's really like to own a freelance design business. Hello and welcome to today's juicy episode. And before we get into what today is all about, (laughs) we just need to address a few things. (laughs) So obviously, this episode has come to, I think, two weeks late. Two weeks, I think it is, is, yeah. Yeah, two weeks late. Um, Unfortunately, I have had tonsillitis. (laughs) And today we jumped on a call to record this podcast episode and Abby said... I think I've got tonsillitis. So somehow you've managed to pass it <laughs> through a screen to me. And now oh my throat is very achy, very sore. Um, yeah. So if there are any croaky throats or anything where we cough, we do apologise because it's not in the agenda today. Um, but we're just going to take it nice and easy. This one's going to be probably a little in depth about our process, but mm-hmm. we're going to try and keep it nice and laid back. This is just like a chit-chatty, chilled-out episode because I think we need to also address the fact that we have had some beautiful weather recently in the UK. And I think this will be the perfect episode to sit and listen to in your gardens or listen to on the beach. The weather right now, I think, I don't even know what the temperature is, but it is so hot. It's about 20, 22, 23. It was so hot yesterday as well. And I definitely got a headache from the sun. I feel very sunburned, like under my eyes. (laughs) Like I'm very sunburned. Yeah. Yeah, we're both sat here looking very tanned and very sunburnt, but it's it's amazing. So I bet there'll be people listening to this from the US that are like, what on earth are you going on about? I know. 22 degrees, that's freezing Literally, at Celsius. Whenever <laughs> I put anything on my story about the temperature, I always get messages from people like, oh my God, I'd be wearing like a jumper or a sweater if that was the weather <gasps> there. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, we're British and the second the sun comes out, we're in dresses and play suits that's and it. sunglasses <laughs> and sun cream. But anyway, we digress. Um, Today we're going to be talking all about our design processes, which I feel like is going to be a really informative um, one for you guys, because I constantly get DMs from people asking me kind of how I do this particular part of my process or how I do this particular part. I actually... um, shared something on my story the other day and it was a screenshot of one of my packages from like 2019 and somebody dm'd me asking me so what's the difference between what you did in 2019 and what you do now and so much much. (laughs) and generally I'm here today to talk about that because I feel like I feel like it needs to be said. I mean, I think we've spoken about this before, but the old age when we very first started um, kind of screenshotting our artboards and sending them off as a JPEG, um, I think we've all been there. Um, But yeah. I think with any design process, you're always changing and adapting. And definitely for me, like I still don't feel that my sort of way that I do things is the way that I'm always going to do things like I'm always going to be trying to figure out like a way to refine my process and make things a lot better and I still like I'm still at the stage where it can be improved and yes compared to what my process was like a year ago god has hit change dramatically like I used to do things so awkwardly and I look back and think like why did I actually do things like that like what was going Mm -hmm. through my head but then I didn't know like what the correct process was and obviously there isn't a correct way there's going to be lots of different ways and you will figure out in this um, episode that me and Katie have different ways of doing things as well and there are going to be um, different ways between different designers too 
Yeah, I mean, there are so many ways of doing things. Like, there's no right or wrrong way. No. If we say, oh, we do it this way and you do it some way differently, like, that's totally fine. And I think one of the most amazing things about this community is we all do things so differently and we should embrace that, you know? It's so okay for us all to be doing completely different things because at the end of the day, that's one of the things that sets us apart from everybody else. Yeah. So let's start with step one the inquiry process. This is something that actually gets a lot of talk in the industry because people are always asking kind of what sort of questions do you include on your inquiry form or do you have a wait list and blah, blah, blah. And I think first off the bat, me and Abby do this quite differently. We do. So I know personally, I just have an inquiry form on my website and that stays there 24 seven. Um, people just send in their kind of inquiry forms whenever they want to basically and I'll just get back to them and tell them whether we have spaces or not yeah mine is very different um so I've struggled this is something I still struggle with massively um I basically have to open my inquiry form every so often so I think I've got it around to every month and a half so I will basically put out on my stories on Instagram saying that my waitlist is going to be open in the next week or so and then I will put my inquiry form live on my website and then keep that open for a week because I honestly cannot handle the inquiries that I get. Um, and then I book up probably like three months in advance and I find that that just works for me because yeah. otherwise I just get constant inquiries and I, I just can't manage it and I, I get so stressed mm. because I've got these inquiries that I can't deal with because I'm obviously working with clients um, so I found that this works for me because it means in that week that my wait list is open I can deal with those inquiries and just those inquiries only um, but it was it wasn't like that before to be honest when I first started I took my inquiries over Instagram like through DMs yeah. people would DM me like do you do logo design? Yes. What do you want? Here you go. And then I would literally do that. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I wouldn't do anything through email. But obviously, as I've progressed, I've realized that doing th things through Instagram when your page is growing, it's really hard to manage and DMs get lost and it's very unprofessional. So yeah, I'm doing we've it that talked way about now. this before, I think, kind yeah. of making that switch from DMs to emails and how it instantly kind of um makes you look more professional definitely um I personally am in the process of hiring an assistant um who's going to help me with my inquiries um I personally just like to keep them open 24 7 so that if somebody you know comes along and thinks oh I really want to work with this person and then they come onto my website and kind of can't find a form or whatever they're not kind of put off or anything like that um but I think doing a wait list you know it works perfectly as well so I guess it's really a case of what works for you what kind of questions do you ask on your form? Is this on my website, do you mean? Yeah, like what kind like when you're doing your waitlist form or so, whatever it is. I do you know, what, I've recently changed this. So I used to kind of do like an in-depth one, but so I used to put on like the first name, your last name, your Instagram business name, mm -hmm. um the type of branding they were sort of after so what what kind of package whether it was like socials yeah. um if it was a whole rebrand um if they wanted like anything else um and then I think I'd ask what uh what the reason why they wanted to specifically work with me how they found me and then if they had any other notes or anything that they wanted to include yeah so it's basically the same as same as me to be honest um but then I recently changed this um because I basically now have like a more in-depth questionnaire once they've filled my shorter one out now so I kind of just yeah. ask them like their business name what branding package they want and why they want to work with me and then um 
I can't remember if I link my if I get them to link a Pinterest board or not um but then yeah after that I will then send them another like in-depth one so that I can get to know them better and see if I actually um feel like we're going to work well together yeah yeah I do exactly the same thing basically on my form and I mean you can take a look at my form on my website if you want to get some inspiration because it's it's up there ready to view um I basically ask you know name, email address, Instagram handle or website if you already have one. Tell me a bit about your business, kind of what is your why, what is your motivation behind it? Because I really like to ask that question to kind of get a feel for how passionate um, they are about their business. And that's the thing, you Um, can always tell when someone's passionate because of the detail in the answer. Sometimes you'll get mm -hmm. ones where it's a really short answer and you just know like they don't really care that much or they're not interested in either working with you or you specifically. Whereas when you get someone that fills it out with so much detail it actually makes me so happy I'm like oh my god you're so passionate I actually see it as a bit of a red flag when people don't really answer too in depth because it kind of shows that they they're not really looking to be too involved in the process and especially strategy which is such a huge part of my uh, my process you know I would consider myself to be a brand strategist as well as a brand designer so if they're answering me with one word answers you know they're not going to want to get involved like I had an inquiry form actually come through this morning and it was like tell me about what you do what's your motivation what inspires you blah 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 and they just said we are a perfume company yeah do you know what I mean like it is not it doesn't give me enough information um I also ask them what their goals are like where they see themselves because kind of a big part of my um design services is trying to get my clients to reach their goals um so I like to know I like to use the goals as a focus point so I always ask that question and then basically yeah the same as Abby I do ask them to link a Pinterest board which I think is a a debate for another time um But um, but yeah, I think pretty much the same thing. So what kind of thing do you do? Let's say um, you've found an inquiry that you really like, you've replied to them. What 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 do you do next? Um, so once they've filled out my form, I will obviously get that email. I then respond back through email. So I actually don't have anything automated in place yet, which is something that I'm desperately working on, um, just to automate it to make it a lot easier for me. Um, but I will basically go through their form. Um, I then will ask them sort of more detailed questions. Um, and then get sort of like get to know them a bit better. I will then go through their Pinterest board. I will sort of ask them questions about what they like on their mood board, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And then if they're sort of happy to work with me, once I actually have them booked in, I then send them like a really in like detailed questionnaire which goes into like more of the strategy stage. Yeah, so I think we do things pretty differently, I think. So I'm actually, as I mentioned, I'm getting an assistant to be able to help me out with this, but... I essentially have an email template um, that I will go in and customize for each kind of business. I won't just send the same one because I like to personalize it. If you're sending a template, you don't want to just be copying and pasting the same thing. So I have a template in place that I send and I only send this to the inquiries that I'm actually interested in. If I'm not interested in working with them, I basically just say, sorry, I don't feel like we're a right fit for each other um, because of X, Y, Z. Wish you the best of luck. Do you know what? That's an important Um, (laughs) point as well because it's not, the form isn't just for, inquiries it's 
sort of for us as well to know whether we actually want to work with that person as well because you shouldn't yeah. really be taking on every single inquiry you get because not everyone is going to be a perfect fit for each other exactly exactly so I send that email over to clients that I'm interested in working with I basically I don't really ask them any additional questions um I send them an invitation to set up a call and we'll jump onto a sales call if they kind of agree. And I will then sit and kind of, I'll do a bit of a, a sales pitch, almost telling them about my services and why I'm different and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go into asking them a few more questions. I'll ask them about what inspires them, what motivates them, um, what their goals are, basically a kind of more in-depth version of the inquiry form. And these questions allow me really to get to know the person better. And I've done quite a few of these calls and I've only had one that eventually has not signed on with me. And so since I've been doing these sales course calls, seriously, like they've improved my process by a lot because I feel like the client as well, they always say to me that they can tell how passionate I am about their business and how passionate I am about what they do. And I can answer any questions that they have and just clear things up a little bit. And they always really, really value that. And every single person I've done one of these sales calls with has said that they really enjoyed the process of speaking to me and et cetera, et cetera. So we have the sales call. Then I go away and put a proposal together. So in this proposal, um, I basically put together a little bit about, you know, some client testimonials. I have a template on my shop if anybody wants to buy it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I put my proposal together and I like to include three separate price points. One thing we actually forgot to mention was asking about budgets. Um, I do ask for the client's budget on my um, form, but I do have a services and pricing guide available to download. So generally, since I've been doing that, they all seem to be kind of within my price range if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah I never used to include a budget thing on but it has actually really yeah. helped me. Yeah because if you get somebody in your inbox and their budget is like a hundred dollars you just think there's no. there's no point. Um, so yeah I go ahead and I put together a proposal. I like to include three price points and this was something that I learned recently from Laura Evans. If you haven't heard of Laura she's incredible. Um, she's a packaging design queen. Um, I'm currently taking her packaging design course but she also goes a little bit into depth about strategy and her own process and it is seriously really insightful and helpful. Highly recommend that. So one of the things she was mentioning and I, I hope it's okay that I'm talking about this um, because it's something I've implemented in my own process is having three separate price points in your proposal like three separate quotes so you have the highest quote which is probably you know everything that they wanted plus a few little extras in there that you think they could benefit from then you have the middle of the ground quote which is obviously your middle of the ground pricing which has um you know most of the things that they want maybe it's you know taking away one thing maybe if they wanted you know uh packaging branding and a website you take away the website you know then you have the most basic package. I tend to do this as just branding, um, so it's a cheaper option. So they they feel like they can see their investment on a sliding scale. So they can see, right, okay, if I add this on, it's going to increase by this much. Or, you know, they can see the, the scale of it. And I think that's a really, really helpful thing. So put this proposal together. I like to record a video. <laughs> can you tell how in-depth my process is? See, I'm learning record... something today. I hope people are learning yeah. because this is just something that I don't do and something that maybe I can do in the future. 
Yeah, I feel like the more personality and the more personal kind of the, how do I even word this? The more of you you put (laughs) into your process, the more they can tell that you're putting in effort and are really invested in it. So I like to record a Loom video, which is a screen recording software that I absolutely love. And I go through the presentation, I talk them through their options, um, just so that they're not reading text on a screen, just seeing a price. You know, you really want to add um, some information in there. So I record the video and then send that over to them. That is pretty much my inquiry onboarding process. Then they'll get back to me. If they agree, you know, maybe we'll set up another call just to answer any questions that they have. They might say, oh, actually, I was wondering if you could do this particular thing at this price. And, you know, we'll have a chat about that. Yeah. Do you feel like that takes a lot of your time or... Because for me, at the moment, time is like, I don't have a lot of time. And I feel like that yeah. would make me, I don't know, I, I just don't have time to do that in depth of a process at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It takes up a lot of time, but the results are worth it. Okay. Because just sending over an email with the quote and saying, here you go, you're so much more likely to get ghosted. And ever since I've added this whole new process, it has seriously... I don't really get ghosted anymore. And it just really improves your professionalism, shows how much effort you put into things, and it just really helps to improve your process in general. I guess because you're showing more of you having that cool meeting them, it's you're less likely to get ghosted because they know that you're actually a real person. Yeah, And if exactly. you email, you, are, you, you can get ghosted more easily. And it's all about how you position yourself as well as high value. You know, if you're sat there talking to them on a call, showing them how invested you are, talking about your process and how you do things differently and um, asking them questions about their businesses, about their business and showing that you're interested, you know, it really positions yourself as an expert. You want to come across as I know my stuff and this is what I charge for it and this is why you should accept it. And you're selling it to them. You know, you wouldn't just be like, okay, hi, nice to meet you you I liked what you said about your business here's your price you you get them invested to the point where and I've had this in the past as well where I've worked with other people and I've had these sales calls with them and they've completely sold it to me and I get to a point where I'm, I don't care how much this costs I'm so invested in. in working with you that I just want to do it and that's what this kind of process does so I 100% think it's worth it I think if you wanted to do something similar but not as kind of in-depth you could always just do a little call and then put a little proposal together it doesn't have to be so in-depth you don't have to do the recording you know that's you know an extra step that I just personally like to take because I'm an absolute perfectionist and I do everything with 110% effort I love that (laughs) so yeah that is pretty much my inquiry process if they come back to me and then agree to that proposal they say yeah this is the package I want to pick this is the payment plan let's move forward with it I then create a notion client portal This is, again, something very new that I've introduced to my business and I do not know why I've not done this sooner. My client portal template that is available on my shop is by far, besides the design contract, my best selling product. People love this process so much and having a client portal in place is one of the best things I've ever done. I set up this whole portal I go into my InDesign um, contract and invoice, edit those, put them in the portal. I, you know, basically put in any documents in there. I then have a 
what I call, or should I say what Laura Evans calls, but she recommended to us, um, brand thinking prompts, which is essentially a questionnaire, but it's a way of positioning it so it doesn't seem like it's a questionnaire, blah, blah, blah. So they're called brand thinking prompts. And this is a way of kind of asking slightly more in-depth questions about their audience. And I really do go more in-depth with this. I basically have a whole, I split it up into three sections. I'm so going off on a tangent right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I split this up into three sections, which goes into my brand strategy, which we're going to get into next. So I look at industry, so the market and kind of like competitors, who you take inspiration from, that kind of thing. I look at personality of the brand, so your your um, brand values, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then I also have audience and they're kind of my three pillars of brand strategy that I delve into. Yeah, so then audience basically has um, asking them about their target audience, pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going into depth no. with this, but um, I had those three things in there and they answer those questions. Um, and then we we move forward. But I'll let Abby talk about her process because yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've really, really taken so the reins here. I So obviously Katie explained that she does the call beforehand. So I actually leave the call until I've booked them in. So because I mentioned before that obviously my wait list is in demand, I struggle with time a lot so I feel like that at the moment isn't something that I can offer doing this call for everyone because I am in demand um so what I do is once I get a feel for this person um over email and we get them booked in I will then send over my like client welcome packet basically talking them over the whole process any FAQs um the timeline of their project um and then once they've paid their deposit I will then set up a zoom call with them and I basically send them over like a really in-depth questionnaire talking about their audience their age their issues that their audience struggles with their competitors business values etc they will then fill this out before the zoom call and then once they've filled this out and I've got this we will obviously set up the zoom call and I will hop on a call with them we will basically talk through all of the questionnaire and every answer that they filled out go through their Pinterest board go through like the direction of the brand and once we're on the same level of where we're going with the brand um, I then a week later will produce like a mood board and and sort of strategy document my strategy isn't there yet it's something that I'm still working on and it is obviously a massive thing that I um need to improve on um and I'm actually in a course with I I know Katie's in this but she's in the what are you in so I do Carliana's 10k gg yes um or 10k girl gang but the brand mapping method, um, which Abby does, is also a part of 10kgg. So we basically both do the brand mapping method. I haven't gone too much into it yet, but no, I um, haven't either. I've, I've actually got August booked out of um, no client work, so I can actually do the course um, and really up my game with the brand strategy. But basically, for now, I put together a um, sort of strategy document with like the vision of the brand talking about their target audience etc um, and then I will send this to the client once they're happy with the mood board and they've they they like where the vision is going that's when um, we get on to the next stage which is the brand presentation. Yeah so going on to kind of brand strategy obviously I call myself a brand strategist this is a huge part of my process and I would really really love to start up a course on this one day um I get like a million dms from people going please start your own course please start your own course (laughs) I'm gonna exclusively say it here that it is in my plans it's just one of those things that it's a lot of you know time and effort to prepare it so 
I'm putting it out there. I'm, I want you guys to all hold me accountable <laughs> for that. Um, but yeah, so essentially once they filled out that questionnaire, I kind of do something very similar to Abby. So we jump on another call. This is something that I haven't done yet with any of my current clients, but it's something I'm working on and I will be doing with my upcoming clients. So I like to do a brand strategy workshop. So this is a one to two hour call where I jump on a call with the client and we go through the questionnaire, but we also take part in activities um, and exercises to help uncover the brand more. And I like to view this brand strategy as more of a collaborative process. So it's not just the client answering a few questions and then me going away and putting a presentation together. We're really coming up with it together. And I've put together a whole kind of document presentation that I go through in the call. And it's got different pages with the different exercises on it that we go through. So it's very, very in-depth. And I really like to do this because it just... It really ensures that you're nailing that brand strategy. And there are so many different marketing theories and bits and bobs that I like to include in there. A lot of which I've learned from Laura Evans. Again, highly recommend her course. Um, especially if you you like to work with more product-based businesses like I do. Um, and yeah, so essentially we go through that workshop and then I go away and put the information that we've learned and uncovered together into a presentation along with the mood board. So it is a lot of work. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It is a really, really in-depth process, but I, it's the way I like to do things. I love brand strategy. I love that side of things. So for me, that's personally what works for me. Um, Don't feel and then, overwhelmed yeah. as well. If anyone's listening and you're thinking, yeah. oh my yeah, God, what 100%. is going on? Why are these girls talking about all of these things that I need to do? Like me and Katie a year ago had so probably no idea what we were kind of doing we just I didn't of, even do brand strategy no, a year ago exactly, no I I didn't do brand strategy probably three months ago um and yeah. it's something that I'm still learning and obviously it is a massive thing but from where I started to where I am now it's changed massively and you do learn things you learn new things that come in within the yeah. industry um and we're always me and Katie are always trying to learn new stuff that we can implement within our process and this is one of them brand strategy is one of them for me like I said I'm doing a course on it just so the experience for my clients and nailing that brand is going to be so much better as well I, I I think Katie does this well but I do a one concept brand um yeah presentation and doing the strategy is really going to help with um that because you're going to get so much more in depth about the business learn more about them um even just doing I never so I never actually used to do client calls um I used to do everything no, me email until probably around two months ago and it was when we had that call with was. Brandon Bloom designs and we and did that like, episode with her and she was like oh my god why aren't you guys doing cars oh my god excuse the accent but and we were like yeah yeah we need to do that and then we sort of made a pact with each other we to did. start doing calls and now it's part of my process that I wouldn't change no and I I honestly feel like I know the business owner so much more and when I'm presenting the presentation I just feel like yeah I know that this is going to be in the direction that they want because it's exactly what we've spoken about whereas you can't really get that through email because something that they say you might take differently to what they actually mean so just having that client call has helped me already and I know doing this strategy course is going to help me even more because I'll actually know what to implement and hopefully nail that presentation. Exactly. And, you know, you can listen to us and be like, oh my God, they do so much. Just know that you do not have to do that. Like, it's totally fine. Especially if you're starting out, because me and Katie didn't, obviously didn't do this at the start. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm I'm an incredibly over the top person. And I think you can all (laughs) gather this from this conversation. I do everything 
with like 110% effort like I I don't leave any stone unturned I really really go into depth of things and that's just me that's just how I work as I said I would love to do a course all about my process which hopefully I'll do in the future so um look out for that but um but yeah I really love doing that strategy portion of things um I like to put two mood boards together for them to choose from um one thing I always say to my clients and something I'm really going to start drilling into them more is leave any preconceptions that you have about the design of your brand or the look of your brand, leave them behind. Forget about them. If you come to me and say, I want a green logo in a script font, no, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> like you don't design based on aesthetics. It's just not not the right way to do things, especially if you start working with bigger brands. It, it just, it's not going to work. So I always tell them, yes, you've prepared a Pinterest board, which is amazing. I try and tell them to include more images yeah. rather than design. Like more of a um, vibe so, and a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really ask them to be like, this is the design I want. I, I like to get an idea for, you know, okay, your brand is really Californian beach kind of vibe or your brand is really cozy. I, that's what I like to gather from the Pinterest board. And then from that, we'll go into strategy and then I'll develop... Um, you know, two mood boards. Um, a lot of the time, these mood boards will be quite different from each other. So one might be, you know, really, really bright colours. One might be a bit more muted so that they have that choice there. Yeah. I try not to include too many design aspects in my mood boards, which again, is something I've learned very recently. Um, I, I don't include really specific logos because it's so easy for them, for the client to drill into that and be like, I want that. You want to avoid that at all costs. Basically, Strategy, strategy, strategy is my process. (laughs) So yeah, then the client goes in, they pick which mood board they want to, and we move on to the brand design process, which I feel like half an hour into this episode, we should have got on to sooner. But (laughs) the inquiry and the onboarding and the strategy process is a really big part of it. And I think people don't realize this. I think people think we just kind of chat to the client, make a mood board, go onto Illustrator, design 10 logos and ask them which the one they want, which to be honest is exactly what I used to do. Yeah, same. Um, but we've improved since then. So Abby, I'll let you start because I feel like I've been talking for a million minutes. <laughs> I think as well with strategy, like it's something that doesn't get shown a lot. And I know like, I don't know, design can be expensive. And that is a part of it, like why it's expensive yeah. because all of the work 100%. that goes on behind the scenes that maybe you don't show on Instagram or on your website or whatever, you obviously just see this pretty logo you see the brand as it is but you don't actually see all of the work that goes in behind it and a lot a lot of work does from us designers oh my god I think if that's one thing to take away from this episode if you're not a designer and you're listening to this and you're wondering why earth design is so expensive that is why (laughs) we put I mean before I even get to the design stage I've spent at least 20 hours on the project that's it so let's go on to presentation then so for me I'm going to talk about what I know we've spoken about this before but what I used to do um and it's just changed dramatically so yeah. I used to honestly just send stuff over Instagram I'd screenshot it send an artboard over say here you go do mm-hmm. you like it blah, blah blah um I then figured out that this isn't going to work because I'm not even explaining to my client why I've done certain things and I think that's a massive point you need to be explaining why you've chosen this typeface why I've seen some designers in the past talk about how they don't think that's necessary and how it's a load of faff and it's just not necessary but I would highly disagree with that I if you're showing your work to someone there needs to be that strategy behind it to say look I've chosen this typeface I've um, adapted it to this I've customized it 
to your brand because of this. You need to be explaining why you have done distinct things to this to, sh- to show them um, and my clients really appreciate this as well yeah I not only do I include a little description of what I've done and why I've done it but I also include a description of what the logo form is and how it should be used yes. and I remember getting some feedback from one of my clients um which was a pretty um one of those projects for me that I feel like everybody just associates with me um which was the Yukio home oh, yeah. lifestyle branding, which is one of my favorites. She said to me, she's like, at start, at the start, I saw the kind of simplified logo and thought that it was too simple. Then I read your description and I read the purpose of it and I read why you did it and I was totally on board. There you go. And I think, you know, that just sort of says to you, you know, you need to be talking about why you've done something. Otherwise, it, it just, it causes more hassle for you. There's more feedback there. There are more changes to be wanted. They don't fully understand the reasoning behind why you've done something yeah so my presentation is probably around 16 to 18 pages now yeah it never used to be this it used to probably be around four or five um but now it is at a stage where it's really in depth really going in on the presentation so um i will start off with the contents pages basically telling them everything that is going to be included within this document. I then go on to, I put in the mood board that we, that, yeah, they, were, <laughs> that they were showed um, and talk about sort of a few words that describe the mood board and why we decided to go in this direction. I then do two pages of like a sneak peek at their brand. So maybe just showing them like a few mock-ups, um, the logo and just basically giving them an idea of the branding before I go into detail yeah I feel like including the things like mock-ups and photo logos and even any kind of editorial style layouts that show the branding basically anything like that it helps the client to really visualize the brand in a real life setting rather than just seeing a flat logo on a page that's it you know you're helping them to apply it to their brand and I feel like that is such an important point um I have a question for you because I feel like this is something that's going to get asked. If you send off this brand presentation and the client turns around and goes, actually, I'm not loving the direction. Okay. I feel like we need to change the colors, change the visual direction and, you know, maybe choose the other mood board. Okay. What would you do in that situation? In that situation, it's really hard because if we've spoken about it and we were set on it and they sort of said yep this is the direction i want to go in Mm -hmm. these are the colors this is exactly what i was after um it's one of those whether i would have to charge them more for a new presentation because obviously if they have agreed to it um and i've done exactly what they were after but they just weren't feeling it then i probably would have to implement um a charge on top of this because obviously it is a completely different direction it is me going back to the drawing board putting together new colors new direction um but obviously if it is just if they say if they liked the logos but they didn't like the color palette and it was just sort of changing up the colors then i would probably it might have just been like oh i really like that shade of yellow but yeah. can we make it a bit more mustardy then that's absolutely fine i will include that within my revisions but if it is a new direction and something that they haven't spoken about with me then i would probably implement that charge yeah i pretty much do the same thing um it's really hard to know the line between what's a revision and what's a complete new direction but 
I'm actually in the process of rewriting my contract to the point where it's like insanely, insanely in depth. And I'm actually having a lawyer sort it for me. But I'm now including a clause where I'm basically saying after each stage, if you have approved it, we can't go back. But if you want to go back, there'll be an additional cost. So if we've approved the mood board and approved the direction and then we get to that stage and you go, actually, I want to try something different. We're going to have to go back a stage, which means an additional cost. Um, it's so but yeah, hard, I thought that was though, just something. It? I've always yeah. feel so like bad because obviously you're paying for your services and it can like the process can maybe be a bit stressful for clients because obviously everyone changes their mind like some people you might think that's the direction and then you see it and you're like oh I'm not actually sure on it but I mean we're putting in the work and we need to cover our hours and the time spent on the presentation so those things are included because of that I do just want to say that this happens very rarely um I think maybe I've only had it happen once and that was with an incredibly nightmare client of mine who just didn't really understand brand strategy and just wanted it to look a certain way and kept changing her mind and it was really um it was a really you know frustrating experience but it's only happened to me once really where I've had to go back a stage um so yeah it doesn't happen very often and I feel like if you're really going in depth with the brand strategy and nailing that it doesn't really happen and I get people tell me this all the time you know I completely oh this sounds so like big-headed but they always say to me you completely nailed my vision or you know you you read my mind or you got it exact and I feel like that's something the brand strategy really brings to the table um but yeah how many revisions do you do so my contract I have three Three revisions, which doesn't normally get up to it. I'll do maybe one or two. Um, I think I've only ever done three once. Um, Yeah. And I feel like that just works for me. Obviously, just do whatever works for you. If you want to include one, two, three, four, whatever. I do two. Yeah. Whatever works for you, do that. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty much the same. And I've actually had it before. I've not needed to use any revisions before. Sometimes I I think sometimes when you know, yeah, like I I feel like sometimes you just. You really get a feel for the brand and you feel like in your head, I know exactly what I'm going to do for this. Um, One question, actually, um, I was going to ask, how long does it take you to do the initial logo design? Like, how long do you spend on it? So mine can vary. So sometimes it can probably take me like four hours, four to eight hours, um, but it depends if I find the font. So the font stays for me. Yeah. Honestly, like I have a love-hate relationship with finding fonts. Sometimes I'm like, yes, that is the font. I know it's going to work. Sometimes and it might be like the third font I've yeah. selected. I'm like, it's just that one. It's That's the font. And then sometimes I will honestly spend days like, and I just can't find what I'm looking for. So it honestly depends on that. Um, sometimes... I sometimes get creative block where I'm like, this is just not working. I need a day away from this and then I need to go back to it and then something will click. So honestly, it can vary so, so much. Sometimes it's like four hours. Sometimes it can take me a week to do it. To do it. So I have to make sure like I have enough time to sort of do the presentation and I'm not like stressing myself out, giving myself just a week to do it. Um, I, I remember back in the day, I used to like do logo designs in a day. Like I used to just 
bash it out i probably could do two um but that was obviously with no strategy and i was literally just yeah. sending them over an image don't get it. me wrong it is possible yeah like if i like i i don't know if you guys have seen but i actually have a day rate at the minute where i'm building a brand in the day obviously i do still do strategy and a lot behind it but it's entirely possible but i think for those slightly bigger projects um, it just needs a little bit more time. I wasn't putting together a 16 to 18 page document like when I first started. Yeah. Whereas now, like that takes time. Like that would take me half a day. Once I've done the logos and everything else, that would take me half a day to put that whole presentation together. To just Even finding it. the right mock-ups. Oh my God, I know. It takes forever. It does. I personally tell my clients, right, I'm going off now to do the design. <laughs> it's going to take between two and three weeks. And I used to be really scared of saying that. I used to be very much like, no, I need to do it in a week because they're going to be waiting too long. But I used to stress myself out because I put so much pressure on myself to get it done. Whereas now I really like to take my time and do a little bit, come away, come back to it. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'll have days where I just power through and I'm like, I've just done this brand in a few hours. Like I've just nailed it first time round. But I really like to do things in depth which I think is a running common theme with me <laughs> throughout this episode but I like to maybe go away do a little bit more research read through the brand strategy presentation again maybe go through some design books do an hour sitting on Pinterest and Instagram doing research I just I do a lot behind the scenes and sometimes you do have it where it just doesn't click and you just try everything under the sun and you just can't get it right I think, and then if you come away from it, even for a couple of days and then come back to it, you might just be able to, you know, do something and it works first time. So I like to allow myself a lot of time to start designing and put this presentation together because if I give myself a week, I stress about it and I, I'm i more likely to do a worse job because I'm say, trying to do it quickly. Yeah, if you're trying, if you're stressing yourself out and you're limiting your time, this is when it can become a bad design because you're not giving your, you're not allowing yourself the time to actually design. And you're thinking more about like, oh God, what if the client's gonna like it? Is this a good design? Like, yeah. et cetera. It can be really stressful. Um, but yeah, I'm the same. I Once the mood board presentation sort of has been sent to them and they've signed that off, I will probably allow around two weeks um, for me to send over the next sort of design presentation for them to have a look at. And I feel like that, time frame works for me now um two weeks is enough time for me in case anything goes wrong and I can't get the brand done um and enough time for me to put that presentation together I feel like there's no shame in having a process that's like 10 weeks I feel like a lot of people think oh my god I need to do it in a couple of weeks but with these bigger brands you know especially when you start working with a lot of additional features website packaging that kind of thing they take a long time and a lot of it depends on the client's response times as well. But I think there's absolutely no shame in, you know, having to say, right, this project is going to take three, four months because they do. And I think we need to stop putting pressure on people to get projects done in a few weeks. Definitely. And I think clients have this expectation of us as well. And if they come to you and they go, no, that's too long bye-bye <laughs> yeah I've just worked with a client and our project was three months long so I had to split the project up into three um, because the package was so big and they were absolutely fine with it being three months so you have to make sure that your client is okay to work at your time frame and you're not working to their time frame that's exactly it that is so important you don't want to be working for your client you want to be working with them 
And it's so important to mention that. So speaking of feedback, how do you do that? Okay, so <laughs> this is a new one. And I put it, so me and Katie are in a chat. I put this in the chat the other day. Like, oh, yeah. girls, can you let me know what you guys put in like a feedback form? Because I don't actually have a feedback form. I have been asking for my feedback over email literally for so long. Like, I can't even remember. Um, And I don't even know why I thought of this. I was like why the hell am I not receiving my feedback in an actual form? <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? Because I'm not asking the questions that I need the answer. And then it gets, from. it gets lost it in the emails. And I feel like asking particular questions as well, it helps you to keep control. That's what I wasn't doing as well. I was just saying, can you let me know what you think of this presentation? And then I'd get some feedback and be like, well, that's not an in-depth feedback, but then that's my fault because I wasn't actually asking the right questions. So I've now done one that, is like it's on um, Google Forms and I just send them a link and say look here's your presentation when you in when you've got time make sure you fill this out um, and it seems to be working I've done this with a client and it's worked really nicely um, and yeah the questions that I ask I'm I'm just gonna find my form because I don't I actually can't remember what <laughs> see this is. is one thing I love so much about using Notion like everything is in one place your contract your invoice the presentations and the feedback it's all in one place and I, I just I don't think I'm ever gonna not use Notion I absolutely love it but yeah all of my feedback is done through there I think something important to remember when asking these questions is add your personality into it yeah like for me it's not just a case of going what did you like yeah, I go, what element of this brand presentation made you really happy and excited and do a little happy dance? Like you want to inject your personality into these questions. And so you're not just doing it at the start, you're carrying it on the whole way through tone of voice, brand positioning, you know, the things that we preach to our clients, we need to do them as well. <laughs> so something that I included was making sure that they give me the feedback in time. So I don't know about you, yeah. but I actually give my clients three working days um, to give me their feedback. Oh, wow, yeah. I do seven. So I used to do seven, but sometimes, I don't know, it was just too long because, yeah, three seems to be fine. If they take seven days, I'm like, it's fine. No. Take your time. And I'm like, no, I need to stop. I need to stop no, doing that. I, like I said, my time is very limited at the moment. So I need feedback like ASAP so then we can move forward. Um, and I feel like if it's longer, I get stressed because I'm like, do they like it? Do they not? Do you have something, what like, what happens if they don't do it I in don't three have days? anything in place, but I... I th actually I do in my contract I say if the response time is delayed and I have contacted you three times um then the project may get discontinued so I might it, it yeah like, it can be over um but yeah some of the questions I've got my form here so I will say what are your first impressions of the brand identity do you like it is it what you expected? Do you feel excited about this direction? So I can get a feel if they're actually vibing with the brand presentation. Yeah, because they, they can be like, yeah, I like it, but does it really get them yes. excited? Yeah. Um, I then ask about the fonts used. Do they like them? Um, the thoughts on the color palette, now seeing it with the whole brand, because obviously you can see the color palette with your mood board, but then as soon as it's in within a brand, they might think, oh, it's not actually, I don't actually like it. See, that's funny because I don't ask specific questions okay. like that because I personally find that if I start asking them do you like this font do you like this color they start to focus on the aesthetics rather yeah. than the strategy 
and they might go actually I don't really like that font can you show me some other options or when actually they probably did like the font and we need to drill in that I chose this font for a reason not just because it looked pretty and they're thinking about I don't like this font because it doesn't look pretty or whatever do you know what I mean yeah. I, I personally just like to really focus on the strategy um but but that's just my you know my personal my personal taste no, I like to know, like, I like knowing yeah. this stuff. I'm like, do you actually like this? Just because I want them to adore their branding and I want to make sure that everything that I'm doing, that that they like. Um, and then something else I ask, is there anything that you're not sure on and feel like you like need to change and then let me know why? And then I leave a box for any additional comments. So if they want to say anything else and they can. Um, yeah, I think yours was pretty similar because you sent me yours. So I've just sort of... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty similar. I basically, I make sure to ask them why they want to see the changes that they want to see. I ask them what particular bits are you not so keen on? Why? What changes do you want to see to make that happen? Um, so yeah, feedback is pretty much straightforward. And I, I ask the same questions for pretty much every single stage. Like, so once the, the official branding has been finalized, I then move on to any um, brand touch points. So this could be website packaging, you know, print design. Yeah. I think if I'm doing a full package with absolutely everything, the very next thing I'll do is packaging. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, again, that really sets the tone. I know some designers like to do packaging with the branding, um, especially if it's a product-based business. Personally, I don't like to do that because I like to nail the brand first. Exactly the same. I find it hard because they, if they don't like the brand and you've put all this effort into doing the packaging, exactly. then you have to go back to square one and you've sort of wasted your time on designing this beautiful packaging. Exactly. Um, so yeah nail the brand first and then I mean to me it's pretty much self-explanatory like why would you why would you do all of that work first and then have to go back if they don't like it I include like mock-ups within the brand presentation but that's just like me making stuff up like say it would be like a logo on the computer screen yeah or a logo on a business card just as it is yeah um so yeah I'll do packaging next then I would do any social media or any print design. And then last but not least, I'll do the website. I feel like the website should always come last because then you have everything to be able to apply to the website. If your client wants to go off with the packaging and the print stuff and take pictures, professional photography for the website, you know, that's what would happen. But for me, a full project with like branding, packaging, print, social, web, it would be a, it would be like a six month project. Yeah. Like, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. To the point where I probably need to like hire out people to help me with that yeah, project. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think more or less that is kind of the design process. Um, how do you deal with offboarding? So this is something again, like I've said, my process just isn't nailed down to a T yet. So I don't actually have anything that I offboard with. So um I'm in the stages of putting a document together that has loads of FAQs the next stages of how they can implement the branding I'm probably even thinking about maybe doing like a offboarding call with them just to, yeah like a like a launch call. yeah just to maybe yeah. like if they've got any questions about launching how to do things it would be nice to sort of do that but that's in the future I'm not yeah I'm kind of the yet. same I feel like I need to start implement I have a document that I've recently put together but I, I feel like I just it's very much my process at the minute is here you go. Yes. Good luck. I know. And I don't want it to be like that. I feel like that's just like, not rude, but it's just a bit like, right, we're done. 
There you it's go. a solid end to it. Yeah. Like you've had all of these calls, you've got to know them, you've been through this whole process of developing a brand identity and then suddenly it's over. Yeah. I feel like you need to just have a final call to kick things off and be like, right, you're ready to launch. Um, in my offboarding document, I do actually include additional support. So I say to my client that, you know, a few months, even a year down the line, if you feel like something's not working for you or you need some assistance, we can jump on a strategy call and talk about, you know, what's going wrong or et cetera, et cetera. It is obviously it costs, but um, it's there as an option. But I feel like just doing a launch call. I do have, a, again, an email template that kind of talks through a few ideas of how to launch the brand. But as I said, it just at the minute kind of feels like I'm handing stuff over and being like, there you go. Good luck. <laughs> and that's it. We're always trying to sort of learn new stuff and refine our process. And I feel like it's just going to be like that for the, the long run like you're always going to yeah. improve on stuff um but yeah offboarding is something I need to really focus on so on my month yeah. off I'm gonna have a look at how I can improve that and maybe mm-hmm. implement some new stuff do you stuff. know what this is one of the things people see us logo designers in air quotations because I don't call myself a logo designer but that's how they people see us and they go oh so you make logos for a living like you're only working with one client this month what We spend so much time time on things that aren't designing, like courses, um, planning launches for our own business, doing our own branding and websites, um, email marketing, Instagram, social media, like so many things that I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have any client work to do, but I have a full nine to five day today because I have a lot of my own business stuff to get done. And I feel like it's a really big misconception. It is. Um quickly yep let's talk file exporting because i know for a fact we're going to get asked this question what files do you export how many do you do what file types the whole shabam okay go <laughs> so i so the files that i give are ai eps pdf jpeg and png so i literally give them the whole shebang because i've done it in the past where i've given them like pdfs png and jpegs and then they've come back like oh the supplier needed it in this format so i literally just give them everything um i've also recently um just bought the logo package express um which is a file exportation add-on to adobe see so many people like rave about this and praise about it but personally i just don't think it would work for me i haven't used it yet but um i'm exporting files next week so i'm gonna see exactly how it goes but i literally watched a video on it and it's like done in seconds i'm like i need that in my life because sometimes it can take quite long so um maybe in the next episode i can sort of talk about it and see if there's it's actually a benefit for us yeah Um, see i've nailed it down to about half an hour it takes me to export my files yeah i feel like i've got my process down (laughs) and also again i'm hiring an assistant but they're not just going to be an admin assistant they're going to be a design assistant as well so they're going to be helping with file exporting so that's going to be their job (laughs) yeah i literally give my clients every single file um and then in a document in the brand guidelines document i actually include a page about all the file types so um, i probably will include this as like a separate file when i actually sort my offboarding process out Um, but i will basically explain what the file types are because i i know they can be so confusing to clients that don't understand file types yeah i see a lot of debate going around facebook groups instagram general chit chat of people discussing whether 
the kind of working files, whether you do AI, EPS, whatever. I personally just do EPS. Um, just a little side note. I think I've mentioned this before. The difference between an AI and an EPS file, because I used to have no idea what this was. An AI file is a vector file for Illustrator only. An EPS file is a vector file that will open in any vector program. So like the ones that aren't Adobe, I don't know if them off the top of my head, but they open in them as well. I personally just include them because... I don't see the point in having them both if they both do the same thing. Um, see, when I worked at my old job um, at a holiday park as a graphic designer, I used the AI file all the time. So as, really? Yeah, so, when I, so I don't know if they do it in agencies or whatever, but I find it so much easier just using the AI file. AI file. Um, so I don't know. I think that's just because I've do- always done that. So I just send it yeah. over just as an extra... But yeah, there is a lot of debate about whether you should include the working files or if you should charge for them extra. In my personal opinion, if somebody is paying you thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever for a brand identity and they're a professional brand who are, you know, of scale, they're going to need those working files. Like it's an absolute necessity. Do you mean just for the logo files? Or do you mean, for example, say you're creating like a 20 page brochure? Oh, no, no. Just for, just for like the, the logo files. Oh, 100%. Are you need, they need those, those yeah, files. Yeah, like it's no question yeah. about it. They need those files. I don't think it's right to be charging extra no. for those. I used to back in the day because I didn't understand why they needed them. I thought, you know, when I very first started out, I thought that they needed the AI EPS file so that they could go in and change the logo. That's not at all what they need it for. They need it for printing. They need it to, if they're working with other designers, if they work with an external web designer or a packaging designer, they need those files, like no question about it. I don't think you should be charging extra for them. I think you should be charging extra if they ask for it for, say you've done a menu design for a restaurant. Yeah, definitely. Where they would probably need the file to be able to change pricing and things. But it's an additional thing that you wouldn't normally include. I feel like then you should charge for it. Yeah, definitely. But not for the logo files. No. I feel like that's one of them things that they they absolutely need that. And as a professional brand designer, if you're handing over all the rights to your designs, they should have those files. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's my personal opinion. I thought we would just touch on that. Obviously, it would kind of be different if it was you were just being commissioned for, say, you did like a t-shirt design for a t-shirt business. Like it's a bit different um, because they you'd probably have to sell the rights to it. It's I don't know. It gets yeah. very like if, complicated. If they're, if they're like selling that on, you need to charge a commission yes. fee as yes. well. Um, but yeah, logo files. You are, in my opinion, you need to send that over. Yeah. Do you do RGB and CMYK, or do you just do one? I don't. I it's I don't know so in this logo package express I know that they do both so I'm probably gonna right. start adding that in yeah um, it depends so like social media stuff I include the RGB um, but with just the logo I do the CMYK see I do unless I know for a fact they're taking it to print I do RGB okay which probably isn't the the best way to do things I'm aware of that I'm gonna start doing both CMYK and RGB yeah. which is obviously gonna increase the process but I think it's really important um to include those things um 
Oh, I've just remembered. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about is a brand guidelines document. I, <laughs> I think I spoke about it, about the file types included in my brand guidelines. But Oh, okay, okay. But that is a, yeah, that's a big point. So um, if no one knows what brand guidelines is, this is basically your Bible to how to sort of implement your brand. Yeah. Say if you were, work, if you, your brand works with another designer that's not your designer, which I do not recommend, um, this brand guide lines document will be used by that designer um they will be able to tell what it's fonts so you use. important um just get a vision for what your branding is um and even as a business owner the brand guidelines document is so important because it's a way of knowing how to implement your brand when to use what variation of logo and just really sort of know how to use it as a little trick a lot of big companies like and i mean really big companies like coca-cola whatever they normally have their brand guidelines document available to download yes, from Google. I've when I Googled, because I never used to include brand guidelines document. I used to include like a page and I used yeah, to say I did a page This as well. is your colours, <laughs> this is your font, and that's it. And like this is your logo. Um so when I was looking at brand guidelines document, I just Googled like how to put together a brand guidelines document. And there are a lot on the internet where you can just download, have a look at what other businesses are doing. And it's actually really great because Although they're not going to be the same for every business, because obviously brand guidelines are going to be a bit different for most. Um, it's quite nice to see how other businesses are doing it. Yeah, especially bigger agencies. I quite, because one thing for me is I have a future kind of growth plan of really scaling my business into an agency. Like I want to have a physical office. I want to be an agency. Like that's just how I visualize the future of my brand. And sometimes it's just really, really good to look at what other agencies are doing, picking up little snippets of things that you can include. Um, I'm pretty sure Pink Pony just did a reel or something on what she includes in her brand guidelines, which is quite helpful if you want something like that. Um, Also, by the time this episode goes live, I should have a brand guidelines document available to purchase on my website, Um, a template if you want to use that, because... I've been doing up all my templates recently, so it will be a new and improved version. So if you are in, if you feel very, very overwhelmed by all of these presentations and et cetera, et cetera, my template shop is a really great place to go. Like I don't just mean to be self-promoing here, but generally, um, if you don't have the time to be putting together all of these presentations, I have a lot of readily available ones to use on my template shop. So go and check that out, wildflowerdesignco.co.uk slash design shop. um so yeah a little cheeky self-promo in there but there you go i think more or less that is everything that was quite in depth i enjoyed today's episode i feel like yeah do you know what nice to just chat about it nice because we don't really speak about like our processes that much and it's just nice to know that like we're doing some similar things but then we're doing different things as well and it's okay to do different things because you figure out what works for you I feel like the main foundation of the processes are the same like doing the the onboarding the strategy the you know the different stages are the same but just maybe the the little nickety bits are all slightly different and I hope people don't feel like overwhelmed listening to this because I hope it, so. it, it obviously was in depth but um hopefully you like like learned something today yeah um and you can take something away from this and hopefully your process is either like ours you do things a bit differently or it's just given you that boost of confidence to know that what you're doing um is kind of similar to what we're doing or maybe you've had a few ideas of things that you can start implementing one thing I would say is never be afraid to try something new yes like if you think oh doing brand strategy seems really scary and I don't really know where to start so I'm just going to put it off 
sometimes all you need to do is just take that step and leap into it and just do it, which I think is one of my big mottos. Um, If there's something I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try that. If it fails, it fails. If it succeeds, amazing. So I think sometimes you just need to throw yourself into the deep end. And invest remember that. Yeah. That's a big thing because you have to invest. If you want clients to invest in you, you have to invest in yourself as well. Exactly. As designers, we're constantly learning. I think sometimes it's really easy to look at people like me and Abby and think that's it. They've they've mastered it. It's not the case at all. I'm currently taking like two courses, you know, to try and improve my process and improve my knowledge. And one thing I actually would say is the more courses you do, the better, because then you're not just directly taking one person's process. Do you know what I mean? You can kind of look at what a few other people are doing, implement some little bits in your own and then develop your own process. Um, so I feel like that is that is a really good thing. But but yeah, remember that we've been really chatty today. We could very easily just write down our process in steps and it be on like an Instagram caption. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's very easy to consolidate it and it's very easy to listen to today's episode and feel very overwhelmed by the things we've been speaking about. I'm definitely gonna take a rest after this. I feel like my throat right now is like <laughs> damaged. I'm like, I'm gonna have to take two hours just to not talk to anyone. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I'm going out to sit in my garden because it's, it is beautiful it is so out sunny. there. And there is nothing more I love than working outside. So I'm off to do that. I'm off to do a passion project for my hashtag brand bootcamp. (laughs) Oh my God, this whole episode has just been me going, go and check out this this thing I'm doing. (laughs) If you're looking for a cool passion project, project, um, check out my brand bootcamp link in my bio (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah I think we're just rambling on now this episode's already an hour long so I do want to say before I forget so next week's episode is going to be a Q&A so it's going to be another chatty one um and we're going to put on our Instagram story um a question box another question box asking for some questions so if you have any questions that you want to ask me and Katie personal questions branding questions business questions absolutely anything anything go and ask us um over on instagram either dm us if you see the question box go and fill that out um and then hopefully we can answer your questions on next week's episode yeah because i'm sure when you guys listen to our episodes you come up with questions that you want to know more about so next week's episode is all about answering those for you and i'm rather excited about it and it's the last episode of season one not ever for Chris. not ever <laughs> season one season one <laughs> uh, then we're going to be taking a little break and then we're going to be planning some really really fun episodes for mm-hmm. season two which i'm really and excited we might about. have a couple of little bonus episodes over the summer as well for you guys to enjoy but yeah i really hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode it's been a fun one i've really enjoyed it so i hope you guys do too make sure to go and give us a follow over at off air pod where we share a lot of extra content for you guys and where you will find the question box to answer the questions for next week's episode so goodbye for now we will see you again next week hopefully if abby doesn't end up with a an inflamed (laughs) throat um but yeah we will see you next time goodbye